I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. As always, I've been spending a lot of time last couple of days thinking about how I was going to approach this episode. And it got me once again listening to the audio version of The Ethics of Liberty. Um, I think that's the third time I'm listening to it this year. Uh, it's, it's a really good book. Every time I every time I listen to it or every time I read it, I, I get something new out of it. And then um, I spent all day today listening to audio versions of essays of Voltaire Declare. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She was an American anarchist uh, that died in 1912. And the whole purpose of what I wanted to discuss or just lay out there, not really discuss, it's not much of a discussion, given it's just me. Me and Pinky, we're discussing. Um, is how I ended up as an anarchist. And uh, it's funny because I started off pretty conservative, um, considered myself a constitutional conservative. And um, I bought in hook, line, and sinker to pretty much everything the Constitution said. I uh, I spent time. Sorry, pinkies getting in my face. I spent time um, reading it and studying it. I I read you know I read books about it, the five thousand year leap and and this that and the other. Uh, read the Federalist Papers and um, I considered myself pretty knowledgeable in the subject. I'm not a historian, but I find um, the details, the nuances of history, I find very interesting. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's what gives me the ability to share with y'all that and this, the overwhelming charisma that just drips through the speakers as you lift, listen to my sultry voice. But I, what, I don't, I don't know. Like whenever I became, whenever I went through my second divorce, I began this really crazy journey of real self-discovery, trying to figure out, not necessarily what happened, but what was what I was doing wrong, if anything, what I actually believed. And it led me to claim atheism for a while, though I don't think that was ever an accurate description of what I actually thought or believed. Uh, I think agnostic is is a much more um, accurate descriptor of, uh, for, for what I believe. And I'm not going to get religious. I'm just kind of walking y'all through what, what I've, what I'm thinking. And so I, uh, I kind of went through this this period of self-discovery trying to figure out what my uh what my line of beliefs were and why they were what they were. And you know, I was this was 
Oh, eight years ago. So, and it's never really stopped. It's it's been constant. Um for me ever since I, I don't know if I kind of got addicted to the idea of discovering new things and learning and and uh, examining how what I thought about these things or I don't know. I don't. It, maybe it. Maybe it is some sort of addiction. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's unhealthy necessarily. Um, but yeah. So I went through this, and then I started looking. It was. It was right around. It was right around the 2016 election, actually. I was. I had been calling myself a libertarian for a couple of years. I'd, I'd heard that term on on the Glenn Beck show. Glenn Beck was using it. He was calling himself a libertarian. And I read a couple of his books, and I was like, yeah, I guess I'm a libertarian too. Why not? I had no... I, had, I didn't have the least bit of understanding what this term meant or why it was used or who used it. If anybody else used it, I, I just, I didn't know the term. And, um, so, <laughs> Pinky is not going to let me record this in peace tonight. He is constantly talking to me. Um, so, I just, I, I but I started looking and I kept seeing this, this not real libertarian argument. And I wasn't extremely political at the time. I kind of was like, I kept up, you know, with with major elections, I, you know, things like that. And believe it or not, I got on the phone with it, it's the strangest thing, and I think I've said it on the podcast before. But I got on the phone with Austin Peterson when because he, he was running for president. And we talked, and he said he said some. I don't even remember exactly what he said. I, I'd be lying if I told you I remember the exact words. Um, but he said something that caught my attention, and I didn't question him or say anything to him at the time. But um, but it but it it got me curious. And the curiosity led me to start studying and start researching. And, you know, it, it started off with YouTube videos, honestly, because um, I'm a truck driver and I didn't know about podcasts at the time. So I would find these long form speeches. I would just like search like libertarian or or whatever, that the terms I knew from a mainstream point of view, you know, fairly uneducated um, on the subject. And I just started devouring this information. And that led me to the Mises Institute and some of their lectures that were on YouTube. And... I started really getting a good grasp of what was going on. Um, I, I ordered some, I, I got a hold of some Rothbard um, online because it's free. Started listening to it, um, the audio versions of it. Um, I ran into a, a video, Judge Napolitano giving a speech at Mises. And, um, Somebody says you sound like an anarchist, and I mean I've I've told this story, so if I'm just kind of like, eh, but somebody somebody said to him, you sound like an anarchist, and he said you don't hear me denying anything, and I was like, it kind of took me, you know, I had to rewind it and listen to it again and make sure I was like, did I hear that right? Like, was that the exchange? I think it was, and um, sure enough, um, 
Uh, so I started really paying attention to to the people when they talked and and trying to figure out like what do they mean by anarchist like I don't know anything about anarchist other than some chick I had met years ago told me that she was an anarchist and I was just like okay that didn't make sense to me because you vote for Democrats and in my mind at that time well Democrats want big government so why are you voting for the party that wants the biggest government if you want the smallest government I don't understand so that was my logic unfortunately she wasn't educated on the terms at all and so when I said this to her she goes huh you're right and I was like yeah I'm right I'm always right motherfucker which I still do that but obviously I wasn't right I started looking into it after I heard Judge Napolitano say it and I started really paying attention to um different speakers and and that's how I found Tom Woods um I would I would like to tell you I remember all the speeches that I listened to and all the speakers and everything they said that made a difference to me but I don't it was just nuggets here and there and I was just picking things up and you know I was picking up as much as I could but it was so outside the realm of the way I, I saw life. But there was one common commonality that I found with all these guys that I happened to agree with. And it was natural law and natural rights. And that's a big theme within the ethics of liberty which is why I, I was listening to that this week in preparation for this episode. And I always understood because natural rights and natural law were the, from my understanding, were the foundation for the Constitution. And that was always my understanding. This is like they wrote this based upon Lockean philosophy. And they, after the revolution, they wanted to form this natural law government. And, and so that's what gave us the Constitution. So... I found Tom Woods that way, and um, through Tom Woods, um, I found Scott Horton, and through Twitter, I found Pete Raymond. I remember the day; it was yesterday. I uh, I was I was I'm very rarely do I go on Twitter. I'll go on there and I kind of scroll around. And Pete had made a post. And it didn't have a link, but it was a post about his podcast. And I was like, you have a podcast? I just started listening to the Tom Woods podcast, but I was still listening on YouTube now. I was, I was, I was a newbie, man. I was an amateur at this point. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just knew I was getting all this information, all this new stuff. My whole worldview had been shattered, completely shattered. I was just ready for it, right? It wasn't that somebody gave a particular argument. I was already in this transformative mode of the way I thought whenever I quit teaching Bible study and I started fucking looking at things like, wait a second. I'm actually like, I've never like truly like believe these things. I've always just kind of, had 
really good comprehension skills so I can read the Bible. Then I can tell you how to apply what it says to your life. And that's what I was doing. I would just, and I was doing this for, uh, for teenagers, for youth group. And just the, the realization that I never believed any of these things just shattered my whole worldview. And then it just, it was a snowball effect from there. I started, I got into the politics side of things and that, I mean, that just blew me away. Like all the lies, the deceit, you know, finding out like the, what the government's been doing and this, that, and the other. And I found out like really early on, like, like Michael Malice says, take one red pill, not the whole bottle. I found out very early on that you can start going down these rabbit holes and you start getting led down the wrong path. And if you're led down the wrong path, you're obviously like you're starting to. Then you want to force your will. And it, it's really a strange, like kind of a cyclical type thing. But I kept one, one of my feet, like just enough rooted in listening to Tom Woods. Oh, anyway, I'm sorry. You know, I, y'all know I get distracted. I don't have any notes here. I'm just kind of riffing right now. Just kind of telling you what happened. Um, so I saw, I saw Pete said something about a podcast and I was like, you have a podcast? And he was like, yeah, I have a podcast. And I was like, well, fuck yeah, dude. Let me, I'm going to start listening to it. Oh, what's it called? And he told me what it's called. And so I found it on YouTube and I started listening to it on YouTube. So now I had Tom Woods, Scott Horton, and Pete to listen to. Not a bad trio, if I may say so myself, you know? And uh, I don't remember, I think it was a Tom Woods episode. They mentioned Bastiat the law this was in this was after I want to no this was before Trump was elected no this was after Trump was elected and uh, I found I, I, I went on YouTube and I found Bastiat the law audio book for free to listen to on YouTube so I was like alright fuck it let's listen to it so I listened to that and I was like, shit. And then I had this Rothbard audio book that I hadn't listened to yet. And I was like, well, shit, I need to listen to that. So I listened to that anatomy of the state. I was like, holy crap, you know, just blowing my mind, just completely tearing down because like everything he said, the state is, I was like, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is that too. But I never knew to look at it that way. Like it, it was just completely just totally wrecked shop in my brain. So then after that, I, uh, I don't remember which one of Rothbard's book I read, read after that. I, I don't remember what order I read him in. I, I read The Ethics of Liberty. I read The Liberty Manifesto. Um, I've read half of Man, Economy, and State. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big book, man. And it's really hard to read. I'm sorry. A book that size is extremely hard to read on on a phone. Like, Because you're like, I'm not getting anywhere. You know? But then uh, I read Fool's Aaron that same year. That was 2017, I guess. And then, uh, then last year, I dug in even deeper, and I just decided I had been wanting to start a podcast. And as y'all know, like it started off one thing, and then it kind of tra- it's transformed, and it keeps moving, and it's it's fluid. But I want to. I'm trying to keep it going, even in times of trouble, even in whenever I'm having issues with 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 equipment and this that and the other i don't feel comfortable asking y'all to donate um i don't feel like i'm at that that point yet so um i just continue to do what i have to do and and make ends meet and and what i can invest in the podcast i do invest on the podcast but 
So what sold me on, on anarchy, like the law and in anatomy of the state got me at the doorstep, right? Like between that, all the podcasts I've been listening to, and we're talking late 2017. I, I think, I think if I remember right, Pete was only at like 90 podcasts at the time or something like that. Um, Scott Horton was blowing my mind with, with all the, with all the anti-war talk and all the interviews he was doing. I was just like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Um, Tom Woods always does wonderful episodes. I started listening to Contra Krugman. I started learning a little bit about economics, which was really interesting to me. Um, in, 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 in as much as I understood a lot of what they were saying already, and they were filling in a lot of gaps for me that I didn't know how to explain to people. And still, to this day, I don't consider myself an economist. I don't have the ability to break down economics for you in such a way like like Robert Murphy would be able to do or uh, Peter Schiff. I leave it to those guys. I know enough to for me to understand, and I can explain like the broken window fallacy. You know, like so so. It's like, it, it's just like, okay, like I, I have my limits, but it, my, but that's not really my passion either. So like, and this is where I'm getting, like, I, I found that through Scott Horton and, and Rothbard that my passion lies in, in three different places. And I'm still feeling my way through this and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to do it and how I'm going to, to focus on it. But my passion has, has come to lie in an anti-war, anti-intelligence agencies. I'm going to make sure I put agencies at the end there. <laughs> I'm, I'm against intelligence. <laughs> That's why I look for, the dumbest audience possible to listen to these podcasts because I'm completely against intelligence. <laughs> but no, and then I'm also like really, I really enjoy the philosophy side of um, anarchy. And you'll notice in congruence with a previous episode that I recorded is capitalism, you know, can, does it work with, with libertarianism? I don't remember exactly how I worded it. I'm sorry if I'm screwing that up. A few episodes back. One of the first uh, Thursday episodes. I think it was the first Thursday episode I ever released. And um, I don't like the term ANCAP. Okay, and this is where I was going with all this. I have a, I have kind of a broad definition of anarchy. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to put that, I'm going to shelf that for a second. We're going to get to that. All right. So as I, as I discussed, like capitalism is a pejorative term. In, in so many ways. Um, whereas like Marx coined that term, it's, it's always been used as a pejorative. It's always been used to describe this, the state corporate cartel that exists, that exploits subsidies and, and tax breaks and, and this, that, and the other, and uh, survives at the expense of the consumer and of the worker. And so what I was trying to do, and I, and, and Scott 
told me, uh, I talked to Scott about this, I don't know, a while back. I, I can't remember when. But what I was trying to do was what Sheldon Richmond did was <clears throat> find that term that really kind of fit what I believe. And, and Sheldon Richmond called it market-based anarchy or market anarchy. Yeah, market anarchy or market-based anarchy. Because... If you if you look at natural law, right? If you look at the ethics of liberty or um, natural law as it exists. Sorry, my dog's doing something. Um, humans aren't atomized, you know. Like we're we're not. We're not sitting here calling for isolationism or or to be hermits um, outside of society. That term society, quote unquote society. I, I don't really like the word. I just don't know how else to describe it. Um, what we're calling for. Is autonomy in the recognition to live free and peaceful without the coercion, without violence, without force put upon us to try to compel us to live lives we don't want to live. Now, this doesn't open the doorway up for people to violate other people's rights. And quite the contrary, government opens the door up for people to legally violate people's rights. Because that's how the government survives, is a complete violation of rights. What it is, it's a complete and total recognition of property rights. And you are your own first property. So this was really attractive to me. I am my own first property, which means I have complete and total control over myself. And nobody else has a legitimate claim on control over me, my thoughts, or my actions. That that it's up to me. And that everything else spawns from this idea of property. So, if I have complete and utter control over myself and over my own life, I'm the only person in this world with a, the just authority to control me as an individual, to, to control my thoughts, to control my actions, to control my speech. That means that I am responsible and I own my property is extended to my actions. And if my actions are destructive, then I must own, I must take responsibility for that destruction. But if my actions are productive, then I am responsible and my property extends to the production of my actions. My mom used to have this saying. She said, she said, Everything you do, it's, it was, it's kind of like basically for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. But my mom would always say, there are consequences for every action, good, bad, or indifferent. Period. Like, that's it. Like, everything, you have to own it. Like, you own that. That is yours. Whatever you do, 
good, bad, or indifferent, that is on you, right? And and she hammered that in my head growing up. Like everything you do has consequences, whether it's a, a good consequence, a bad consequence, or it's indifferent. It doesn't even matter. And so that's the the what I see as natural law. And so whenever I would talk about freedom under the government and freedom through the use of the Constitution, I was able to justify that because it was, in my mind, constructed out of this idea of, of what some might call meritocracy, um, but of natural law. But as I thought more about it, as I began to listen to these anarchist thinkers, and I didn't start off like and just I've never one thing I've always been good about. And I've always and I try um, if I know you're a listener and um, I, I'm in touch with you and we talk. One of the things you'll know about me is I do not shy away from if you call me out. Like the one thing, like I, there's a couple of these guys, there's a couple of you out there listening, and I know you're listening, and I, I trust y'all explicitly with, with the content when it comes to the anarchist line of thought. And I will ask you specifically, did I did I fuck this up? I want to make sure I got this right. And so far, most of the time, I don't get called out on anything. Like I, I think, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's been anything major that I can think of. At least, um, I'm certain I've gotten something wrong at some point in time. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. Um, but, um, but I also know that there are others of you that do not agree with me and, and, and we're still friendly and y'all still, we still get along. You don't agree with everything I say. You're looking for a different perspective. And I try to surround myself with these types of people, not all of which I agree with um, explicitly and like not even all of my guests I agree with on, on everything they've ever said. Um, you know, I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head that we have slight disagreements, um, but it's but it's out of respect. And we don't think that either of us have like n- none of us like believe that that the other person is. Um, has malintent um, with with their point of view, we just don't agree. Um, we, we have come to different conclusions, um, sometimes in the exact same way, you know, we'll agree right up to the conclusion, you know, so, well, it's, it's, it's really crazy. So, I mean, and, and part of that is life, you know, life shapes your, your ideas. So, so the way, because, okay. So because I, I'm such an advocate of natural law and natural rights and Government is is not a natural entity. It is, as the terminology is used in modern day, a social construct. Government is a constructed organization with a monopoly on violence. That's what government is. Period. Now first you have to. Come to the t- determination that. There is. The just. Um, right to give. This organization. 
a monopoly on violence before you can believe that there is a government. And what I've where 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 I've come to struggle in well not I've come to struggle where I struggled in the beginning was okay government uses violence in an offensive manner but I only advocate for self-defense violence right and so I had to determine which one of those I was willing to give up on and given my belief system of natural law it was very easy to give up on government because I was thinking because my thought process was in a state of nature a state of nature would be full-fledged liberty right you're born into nature as an infant there is no government they're not an entity they do not exist then they come into your life okay so when i when i view rights or anarchy or any of these things i view it from the state of nature what would be a just way to act upon my fellow man or interact with my fellow man in such a way that is cooperative, right? Most of us go through our entire days all day long interacting with each other in nonviolent means and cooperating voluntarily with mutual benefit between each other. Not to say that the relationships are transactional because I'm not really down with transactional relationships, but there's mutual benefit in, in the interaction, let's say between you and the sales clerk at the supermarket. There's mutual benefit between you and your spouse. Uh, if, if you're in a healthy relationship. So <clears throat> I looked at it and I said, well, what is the mutual benefit between the state of government in myself versus the state of nature in myself? And I came to the determination that due to the size, scope, and oppression of government, I would be much better off in a state of nature, right? That I wouldn't, there wouldn't be this use of criminality through via an, via an electric asking a man or woman they assign to commit the crime through an election. So basically, the way I view politicians, and this is why I have such a hard time with voting, I don't even really, I have no desire to try to go elect someone to steal money from you or to, to legislate what the next law is that someone's going to be arrested for when there's no victim within the scenario. So, um, 
feel like I'm off track, but I know I'm, I know I'm right where I want to be. So, so, um, so like the way, basically the way I view politicians and the way, the way I view government is they are nothing more than hired hands. They're hired guns. They're, they're mercenaries hired by citizens to carry out vile acts that the citizens themselves want done, but don't have the balls to do themselves. And I don't see what, if, if you hire somebody to murder someone else, you go to prison for conspiracy. So by electing someone to steal money or resources from another group of people or from another person is conspiracy to commit a crime. It's a conspiracy to commit theft. It's a conspiracy to commit mass murder. And I can't justify that. What I can justify is that in a state of nature, I could mix my labor with the land. I could, I could build my own home. I could dig my own pond. I could, I could garden or farm or whatever I needed to do and mix my labor with the land in some way, shape or form and live a cooperative lifestyle with the everyday people that are around me. And what, what the way that the government acts as a strong arm or as a mafia coming in to extort my fellow citizens or to extort me breaks my heart. And I hate that. So I feel obligated to speak out against it. I quoted uh, Thomas Paine again earlier. And I, I, I told the guy, I said, um, I'm not looking at exactly what I said, but I said something along the lines of, you know, Thomas Paine aptly pointed out that society is born of men's wants and government of men's wickedness. Now, I want everybody to be free, but I understand that most people are so afraid of liberty, they would rather live with their own wickedness. My only, requ my only request is that those of us that aren't afraid of our own liberation are left alone. That's what I mean by anarchy. I subscribe to a more market-based economic style. I believe that private property is important. I believe that the privacy and the pride of owning property and being able to create and provide and flourish as you would as you as you produce and you create useful goods for for those around you that are willing to trade value for those goods 
I believe that brings a type of satisfaction to a person. I know people that do not subscribe to that, that theory. I know people that subscribe to a more communist style of anarchy. And we're not talking tankies. They still believe that the use of coercion to force somebody to live the way they want them to live is wrong. They believe that, hey, look, there's enough room in this world. Whereas we can have our little societies and our communes and we can have our co-ops and you can do what you want. And, you know, we'll trade, we'll intermingle. We just disagree on how the economy should work. This isn't all everybody. These just happen to be the people I know. Like, I'm not saying everybody's this way. But Though I think the market base is probably better, that doesn't discount co-ops. A market-based economy doesn't mean that there can't be a co-op. Co-ops participate in the market as well. People get so caught up in what real anarchy is. And Voltaire Declare, she said, anarchy is based on the social fabric and the social freedom and the social liberty and that economics are a secondary. What she viewed was a world in which resources, natural resources of the earth were commonly available For every person as communal property so that each individual person could create goods that they could sell on an individual basis. It's kind of some sort of mix kind of between. Now, I'm not saying she was right. She died in 1912. She wasn't near as evolved as all of us, you know. But what I can say. Is that I think what she realized is that part of the anarchist thought is a lot more important than the other part of the anarchist thought. She realized that the destruction, the the complete demolition the 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 riddance of a monopoly on violence was ultimately the the most important part of anarchist thought that all of us really in the end wanted one major thing and that was to live in a world without coercion in which we could operate in the ways we wanted to operate as long as we weren't violating other people's rights, as long as we weren't hurting other people, following the non-aggression principle, if you will. Um, you know, or if for the you, those of you that don't know the non-aggression principle, um, it's basically the golden rule. It's just, I won't hurt you and take your stuff. I don't want you to hurt me and take my stuff. That's that. If you attempt to hurt me and take my stuff, I will defend myself. 
period. That's it. It's not pacifist. It's just, I'm not going to aggress against you. Don't aggress against me. That's that's general concept. Actually, that's pretty much the whole concept. It's not really all that difficult. That's probably the easiest thing libertarians have ever discussed. Um, but, and I think she was right in a, in a lot of ways. I think what we have to do is we have to keep our focus on the enemy at hand. Now, I think all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have something personal against government. We've all experienced I, I can't I, I don't guess I can say all of us, but a lot of us have experienced government in in some form of tyrannical fashion. I remember, um, I hope my mom doesn't mind me telling this story, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. Sorry, mom, if you, if you, if you don't like it, you can, you can call me. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my mom came home. I don't remember every detail because I was fairly young, I think. I was I was thinking I was like eight or nine. But I remember the general concept of it was we were we were living in Dallas at the time and she got pulled over by a cop. And the cop came came up to her window. My mom, she was like, uh, can I help you, officer? Was I doing something wrong? And he was like, Yeah, I'll just pulled you over to get your phone number. And she was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, let me get your phone number. I want to I give you a call. Let me take you out sometime or something like that. And she was like, nah, I'm happily married. And you're, I'd like to get your badge number and your name, please, because I'm going to uh, report you. I don't know if she ever got his badge number in his name. I, I don't remember it all in full detail, but I, I remember that. And I remember thinking like, man, cops don't do that. You know, like, like I believe you mom, but cops don't do that. But over the years, and it's weird because I don't know, like, cause I, I've seen it over the years, like how, how the cops abuse their power and abuse their authority and abuse, you know, all this. And, I don't know. It, it took me a long time to get to the point to where I could denounce the police and say, you know what? No. You know, I was pulled over one time. I was like 17. I just dropped my girlfriend off at her house. And cop pulled me over. I had a, I think my license plate lamp was out or something on my car. I had a old car. And um, I was like 17 or 18, 17, I think. Anyway, oh, I just dropped my girlfriend off at her house and he pulled me over as I was pulling out of her subdivision. I, I was, I don't know, four blocks away from her house. She, she was wearing my jacket because it was, it was cold that night. It was a Halloween night. I remember that. It was a Halloween night. I just dropped her off. I was going to go back home. And uh, he pulled me over and he's like, let me see your license. So I went to reach in my back pocket and it wasn't there. I was like, shit. He's like, what? I was like, it's in my jacket pocket. He's like, where's that? I was like, my, my girlfriend has it. I fucking, she, she was cold. I let her wear it. I, I forgot my wallet was in there. And he goes, I'm going to have to take you to jail. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, no. I was like, I know my license number. He's like, what is it? So I give it to him and he goes and types in his computer. He comes back and he goes, I don't show any record of that license. 
was like, I give you my social. He's like, what is it? I gave it to him. He goes and types it in, comes back. No record of you whatsoever. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Who cares if there's a record of me? Was I like, what was I doing? You know? But so we've all had experiences and I've had other experiences. I mean, these were kind of the minor, you know, minor experiences. I'm just, but we've all had these experiences where we're like, are you, are you fucking serious? Like, this is your, your fucking job harassing a teenage kid who just dropped his girlfriend off. Wasn't even driving reckless. Wasn't even stoned this night for some reason. I don't know why I should have been, um, but that, I mean, seriously, that's what you're, that's what you're fucking coming after me about. Because I had a, a goddamn license plate lamp out. He sat there, he harassed me for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Telling me he was going to have to take me to jail, have me up behind, behind my, up against the hood of his car, patting me down and shit. And I heard a call come around across his radio and there was a stabbing and he goes, you got lucky kid. And he jumped in his car and fucking took off. And I was like, Oh Jesus. So, but you know, we've all had these weird fucking experiences, you know? And so I just look at it and I'm looking at, at the state of things. And I'm like, we were warned about this. We were warned about this. Thomas Jefferson had warned us about this. And Thomas Jefferson had written and totally foresaw all this. And he wrote, the spirit of the times may alter, will alter. Our rulers will become corrupt. Our people careless. A single zealot may become persecutor and better men be his victims. It can never be too often repeated that the time for fixing every essential right on a legal basis is while our rulers are honest, ourselves united. From the conclusion of this war, we shall be going downhill. It will not be then be necessary to resort every moment to the people for support. They will be forgotten, therefore, and their rights disregarded. They will forget themselves and the sole faculty of making money and will never think of uniting to effect a due respect for their rights. The shackles, therefore, which shall not be knocked off at the conclusion of this war will be heavier and heavier till our rights shall revive or expire in convulsion. And I'm like, I, I, I look at his words and it's like, he saw this coming. He saw this coming. He even at one time said, societies exist under three forms, sufficiently distinguishable. Number one, without government, as among our Indians. Number two, under government, wherein the will of everyone has a just influence, as is the case in England in a slight degree and in our states in a great one. Under government of force, or I'm sorry, number three, under government of force, as is the case in all other monarchies and in most of the other republics. To have an idea of the curse of existence in these last, they must be seen. It is a government of wolves over sheep. It is a problem not clear in my mind, but that the first condition is not the best. So he's even saying there that you know what? Anarchy may have been a better solution than what we got here. And when he was talking, to, and he didn't like the Constitution very well either. He, he did not like the Constitution much at all. And I think people forget this. He actually said the Constitution um, was gave the government too much power and he, he didn't sign it. A lot of people say, Oh, well, he didn't sign it because he was working as the ambassador to France, but he didn't like the constitution. 
one of the things he said about the Constitution. He said, the Constitution is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape in any form they please. Because in his day, they were already handing over full interpretation of the Constitution to the judiciary. And he's like, this is... This isn't going to, yeah, no, they're, they're just going to interpret it however they want. They're going to do whatever the hell they want with this thing, you know? And I think that they, you can't believe for a fact, for an instant, that judges that work for government aren't influenced by other officials that work for government. Of course they are. You know, if a judge and, and a politician have both been, you know, in their, uh, perspective positions for 30 45 years they have some sort of a relationship with each other kind of know each other maybe they bounce ideas off of each other that politician calls that judge and says look i know you got this case coming up before you i really need you to look at it this way do you think that didn't happen with the affordable care act do you think for a second that didn't happen with the affordable care act One of, his la- one of the last quotes by him I'm going to read t- tonight. I regret that I am now to die in the belief that the useless sacrifices of themselves by the generation of 1776 to acquire self-government and happiness to their country is to be thrown away by the unwise and unworthy passions of their sons. And that my only con- con- consolation is to be that I shall not live to see it. let that sink in he was already saying prior to dying like oh this was a fucking useless endeavor what the hell were we even fucking doing why did all these people fucking die I mean not one thing he already knew prior to his death like this is insanity we've we really fucked this up we thought we were doing something special but what we did gave us nothing gave us nothing more so even he at great last was in favor of a more if nothing else Uh, articles of confederation type of you know society in which all the all the federal government which you wouldn't even call it I don't even think you would have called it the federal government you would have called it the you would have called it the federation of the union or something all they would have done was to handle foreign policy Now, some people will tell you, well, as long as other governments exist, there's a need for government. That is actually probably one of the more fair arguments. Ancient Ireland, ancient Iceland, and Moorsnet were all anarchist-style societies. And all of them fell to foreign governments invading them and violating their rights. So the anarchist view, in my opinion, at least my anarchist view is, That we're all human beings. We all recognize each other as human beings. The only thing that creates the tensions and the differences between human beings of different nations is government. One of the major problems in this country is the existence of government. For without its power, 
to wield over others that you disagree with, you would just ignore those people. You would leave them to their own devices and you would handle your own business. The government gives you a tool that you can use to pry and intervene into the lives of others. You can try to legislate their morality. You can try to control them. Taking away the just authority of control of their own person away from them. You can try to control their finances. You can control the theft that's burdened them by this large conglomerate of criminals that overshadows us every day. So in short, I'm an anarchist because I don't think that government is the lesser of two evils. Is liberty dangerous? Sure. Sure. You get lost in the woods. You don't have any government to protect you. You're out there with wild animals. That's dangerous. But are governments dangerous? I don't know. Look back at the 20th century. Over 200 million people killed by their own governments. That's not counting wars. It's not even counting wars. Over 200 million people killed by their own government. We don't need them. I have parents. If I want somebody to tell me what to do, I'm sure they'd be happy to jump right on board. I'm all right. I'll survive. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.